Well, it's great to be here with you, church family. Good morning. Good morning. So, there's a saying, there's a first time for everything. The first time you go to school, first time you can ride a bike without stabilizers, the first time you get to go out in your car on your own after you pass your test, your first kiss. Or maybe it's the first party you might have thrown, you know, the one when your parents were on holiday, and probably the last one. Well, I wanted to tell you about the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit. I was in my 30s. I spent a good decade working really hard in the job I'd always wanted, and I was pretty much making way on my own in life. I'd put a pause button on my teenage faith and hanging out in church generally. I had accepted Jesus as, as, into my life as a teenager. I had understood what he'd done for me on the cross. But looking back at it, I think I'd had my hands clutched behind my back with stuff I wasn't ready to give up or surrender. Roll on, I'd found a real pull to go back to church when I was pregnant with my first boy. So I got on my bike and I rode up and walked into my local church. There was a lot of grace in this church, but it was uncomfortable. Not because people were not nice or accepting, but there was a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit. And I was very skeptical. I'd often just watch week on week, kind of rather fascinated, and wondered whether people were slightly off their chops. Why was I skeptical? I feared it. I knew deep down it meant change, and maybe the change I wasn't sure I was up to or ready to entertain. Roll on a year, I'm going to this church, and someone taps me on the back and says, um, we've got a youth camp running, and it'd be great if you could just kind of lend a hand, you know, general overseeing, doing some cooking. I was like, oh, all right, I'll come along. And each night we would gather, and there'd be a talk and worship, and I'm looking around, and I'm seeing incredible things. I know now that I was witnessing what the early church saw when they received the Holy Spirit in Acts 5.2. I saw many signs and wonders. People were being healed. There was crying, laughter, and joy. And I was like, wow. The next time, the same time the night happened, I just felt like there was a big question hovering over me. And I was, I was being asked something like, Nikki, what are you frightened of? I, can't, I knew in my heart it was God asking me this. And I instantly thought, I'm skeptical of you. That's what I thought, and it's burning, around, burning, burning it away in the background of my soul. I also thought, I don't really want to change. So I'm having this conversation with God. Why do I need to change? I'm pretty happy the way I am. Anyway, are you just a hangover from my teenage years? Phew, I thought that's done with and dealt with. But then another question comes really quickly. It's instantly, Nikki, ask me if I'm real. It was then I felt my hands go out, and I'm kind of confrontational. I've like got my arms out, and I'm saying, I know you died for me, Jesus, and I know I'm loved in my head. But in my heart and soul, I, I do want to know if you're real today. And if you are, then I challenge you. Transform me, fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Boom. The title of my preach today, for the people that like to have a little title in their journal, Alice Aston, the gift... <laughs> that keeps on giving, that's the title. And I believe our Heavenly Father's got some business to do to here today. And so before we get into our verses, shall I pray? 
I thank you, Lord, we're gathered here this morning and you're also with us, that you love us too much to leave us the way we came in. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive and on the move and that you love every person in the room and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can know you personally. Amen. So what happened to me on that day, I would describe as a start of the Holy Spirit bringing change and transformation into my character. And it was a supernatural change. It was a work of the Holy Spirit, and it was bringing the fruit of the Spirit. And for those that were around a couple of weeks ago, Lane, uh, Lane Cain, led us a few weeks ago through Galatians 5, 22, and we, and we went through love. But this week, um, joy is a topic. And so I thought, before we get into joy, we're just going to recap about what Paul wanted to tell the Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. The reason Paul had written a letter around 55 years after Jesus' death to the people of Galatia is because there was some crazy stuff happening. Uh, it was being circulated the peop- around the people and it was hitting kind of crisis point. False teachers had come in and they were trying to derail the people from the truth of the gospel. The message Paul had brought to them when he was originally on the mission trip had really got distorted. Since his time there, people had breezed in and started talking about things to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, had to add to the gospel in order to make them more like the Jews. And Paul was writing passionately to the churches in Galatians, in Galatians 5. And the main thrust of it he wants to communicate is the change they should expect in life when they meet Jesus. He's telling them, keep your eyes focused on the truth, which is freedom and new life, and it can only be found in Jesus' resurrection not by following parts of the Jewish law in order to be saved. In fact, in verse 5.13, he's underlining it to these guys. They're free, free from their old lives of being slaves to their old ways of gratifying their bodies with whatever they needed, sexual immorality, idolatry, witchcraft, jealousy, rage, but to name a few. But he says, by the work of the Holy Spirit, you would be unrecognizable to who you were originally. Isn't that a crazy concept, that supernaturally we could be transformed over time and you wouldn't even recognize us? I do want to make clear, I don't think God's looking for clones. He definitely isn't. And it says in Psalm 139, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in God's image. He needs you to be you and me to be me. But bring all of our gifting. But just like salt brings out the flavor of a fabulous steak, the Holy Spirit is bringing out the flavor of Jesus in you. I've asked Dale if he minded me using him as an example. And for any visitors here today, Dale is uh, one of our leaders in our leadership team. Many of you will know Dale now, and some of you might be able to remember him when he was a youth or young adult. And Dale talks really honestly about his testimony, and he'd be very happy to tell you about it. But he remembers, I just felt generally quite angry. I was working as a mechanic in the garage and just fitting in with the culture of what was going on there. And he would testify that if you looked at him there and now, he's been spiritually transformed. And he said he can't claim it's his been on his own endeavor and that he has been changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so it's here in Galatians 5 passage that the Apostle Paul is reminding the Galatians that they should expect to see change. It's not any addition of the law like the Galatians were doing, but only by the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is cheering the Galatians on. He's saying, go this way, go Jesus' way, and don't keep going back to the old ways of law, and stop flip-flopping backwards and forwards from your old life to your new life. So, I really think there's three 
headlines the Holy Spirit wants to remind us this morning. So let's, let's go through those three. Number one, I believe he wants us to remind us, take the help. Jesus wants us to illuminate like a neon sign for him. And seriously, I wonder how we're supposed to do it when it's so easy to give in the way we were before. And it just can't be done, not without the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus calls helper in John 14. Number two, expect big change. Jesus told his disciples he would send a helper called the Holy Spirit, and they would be transformed. But the, only, the, only, the transformation only comes once the Holy Spirit does his work and changes the believer's life. Into his image, more and more of his characteristics show up. There's a heart change. Your outward disposition changes. Your demeanor and actions start to change. And friends, church family, I think we're being reminded that Jesus isn't happy to leave us where he found us. And it might be a long chase for some, like me, or it might be really quick. But really, guys, I, I think we're meant to expect big change. My third, third heading is, let's be expectant. Let's not forget to invite the Holy Spirit into our life. What help would the Holy Spirit be? As if help, there was no improvements or no positive change. When you ask for help, right, you do have an expectation of change. And so, wouldn't it be frustrating if you asked a plumber, there are a few plumbers here, to help you sort out your water leak in the house, and when they left, there was even more water everywhere? Or a cleaner, you've asked to come in to clean and help keep the house in order, and when the person has left, it's filthy and dirty, worse than it was before. I think it's the same with the Holy Spirit. We should, we expect, we should, expect, sorry, we should expect change, and yes, some spiritual upgrade. So one element of change is that the Holy Spirit brings joy, and that's what we're going to look at today. So if you've got your Bibles here or your phones, why don't we look up together Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, and against such things there is no law. Paul, in this verse, with all his heart, wants the Galatians to go this way, a way that people would recognize Jesus in you because of what the Spirit does in you, and it makes people wonder, how does that person not lose their control when they're angry? How is the person so patient? How is that person so full of love? This radical change points, and it gives the glory straight back to God. In fact, in Matthew 12, 33, Jesus says, a tree will be known by its fruit. So much changes when you come to know Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he takes us out of his root-bound pot. And metaphorically, he plants us in fertile soil. And we put roots down in him. And over time, shoots burst through and we grow over time and expect to see the fruit described in the verse we just read. But I, I do want you to know, it's not just a pick and mix. It's not just, I'll have a bit of joy and love and patience. It's all up for grabs. Abundant fruit that shows off Jesus. So I do wonder if some of us think the fruit looks a bit like this. And this is my pear tree in the garden, and it's springtime. You can see on the next picture, the pears are tiny, and they've got definite characteristics of a pear. 
But it's not the full large fruit that you're going to get at the end of the season in autumn. It's just a very small indication of what's going to come in the future. And I really think that's what Paul meant when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And, it, and I just want to kind of like finish that kind of imagery by saying uh, this was in Cyprus. Um, and it was a one vine dripping with abundant fruit full of grapes. And the grapes were attached to the vine, but it's one bunch, but it's still one fruit. So all the fruit in Galatians 5.22 is available to us and always possible through walking with the Spirit. But I think we should spend time specifically looking at joy. I actually would love together to explore what full joy means. But first I have a question. I'm curious to know what you think. Why do we need joy when there's happiness on offer? I think most people here today know what makes them happy. We're all really different in this room, and if you ask your neighbour to your right and your neighbour to your left, I think you get really different responses. For some of us, it would be watching their favourite football team win. Others would love to get into a luxury sports car and zoom all around the countryside. Some, it's the beautiful hug from a grandchild. And for others, it's time spent in a garden doing some gardening. But more than honestly, it's, for others, it's sitting in someone's beautiful garden and having a large glass of white wine, chilled. But we're different, and thank goodness we are. I think happiness, bottom line, is not determined on how we're feeling today. The variables that go on in our life change tomorrow and today. For those that like, go on social media, I just think you might recognise this with me. I see a lot of this hashtag choose happy. And you know what? I would rather someone choose that attitude at the beginning of the day than roll out of their bed and choose grumpy or angry. I think that would make life pretty bad. But happiness, I think sometimes we're in control of. And then, you know, the weather spoils our plans. We had a rough sleep that night and we didn't get into that college. The job that we want's just gone. It really does impact whether we feel happy or not. But I think the joy Paul is talking about in Galatians isn't based on circumstances or a sense of happiness. It's a profound delight, a rejoicing that comes from knowing and serving God. The author and theologian C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Do you believe that today? I have some more questions, so let's see how you guys do. How many times do you think happiness or happy appears in the Bible? Let's have a think, guys. Call out your answers. Go on, Tom. Three. Oh, not bad, nearly. Any other? Higher, lower? A lot. A lot, okay. Well, it's ten times. That's the word happiness in the Bible. So the second question is, how many times does joy, rejoice, or joyful appear in the Bible? Come on. Oh, 430 times I'll take that, Mr. Fairbank. Happiness is a good thing, but I think God is offering the real deal, and joy comes from heaven, and it's heaven sent. So let's dig into the two things and, uh, that I want to talk to you about joy today, and we're going to root ourselves in two verses from the Apostle John and Peter. Um, if you'll turn with me to John 16, 22, 24, that's our first verse. 16, 22 to 24. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Family, what we're talking today about is full joy. 
In this verse, Jesus is telling the disciples he's going away, expect change, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit and it will be a really good thing. Jesus is, I think, gearing them up for that significant change that's going to happen. And that's what we're being offered in Jesus Christ, full joy, not a partial, not a drop, not, not enough just to get by today. He's saying there's complete joy on offer. And he's declaring to the disciples and us today that we'll receive great joy as we ask for things in his name. And we see God outworking things and answers to our own personal prayers. But Jesus, oh, he was always steps ahead of disciples. He had known them long enough during the three years of ministry to know they're going to struggle a lot. A lot of what was going to happen to him in the weeks up to and after his death and resurrection. So the background to this verse is Jesus, I think, is seeing their sorrow. And so in the vague way that sometimes Jesus does, he gently is preparing them for his death. And I think the disciples, they weren't ready. They're listening so hard at what Jesus is trying to tell them that he will send a helper, which will be called the Holy Spirit. They cannot believe that the one they pinned all their hopes on, the one they know is the Messiah, the one they believed could save them from the rule of Roman Empire and bring freedom, is now revealing it's not going to end how they expected. Hang on a minute, they must have been thinking. But we've seen you do amazing miracles. You've fed thousands with six loaves and six fishes. You've turned water into wine. You've raised people from the dead. And now you're telling us you're leaving. Are you for real? Jesus is telling his team of disciples, you've had me up here close and personal. And now all you've needed is me. And you haven't had to ask anything in my name. But I am here in the flesh with you. But you're going to know complete joy. And in the ESV version, it says full. And the message version says, your joy will be a river overflowing its banks a joy no one can rob from you and will leave you no longer full of questions. We'll become joy bringers as we marvel in what God can do in the unseen in our lives and our loved ones. I want to tell you a story. I met a woman recently. She amazed me as she told of her joy in answered prayer. As she saw her compassionate Heavenly Father answer her prayers over what had been a really, really tough time in her child's life. And she'd seen after 10 years, a decade of addiction, this child set free from it. And I saw it. I saw her overflowing joy as she acknowledged the answer to prayer. She was glowing with it. She was glowing with joy. And yet, she'd been through the toughest of times. She'd known real sorrow, but she'd been petitioning in Jesus' name. And she'd received the answers. And her joy was full. I could see that fruit it was clear and abundant. And I thought, wow, that's what he does. I want that full joy, don't you? I want that change that Paul talks about when we walk in the Spirit. Obviously, I've been praying as I've been preparing this preach. And um, God's laid on my heart a picture. And I want to share that with you this morning. The picture is of a clear, empty jam jar. And if you must know, it's a bombamon jam jar, because I do like posh jam. <laughs> when I was preaching, when I was preparing, I felt 
I want to tell you guys that the Lord wants you to know that he sees some of us here are like a jam jar with a really, really tight lid. You know the tight lid that you're looking for anyone, anyone that's got bigger hands to try and undo it. The jar's got a lid so tight that, that God isn't able to disturb you. It may be your soul aches for some of that joy, but you're sceptical like I was. I, I really do believe today the lid can be unscrewed and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it may be for the first time or be filled again after a long time of being empty. But he waits and he's ready to fill you. And if you allow him, he's just going to simply loosen that lid and fill you. I think he's here now in person as Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, indivisible from Son and Father. Now, the second thing I want to talk about this morning is joy is really ready and available now. That's the headline here. It's available now, this joy. And in Peter 1.18, if you want to turn with me, it's, sorry, 1 Peter 1.18. It says... Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So then we've got John talking about full joy, a complete joy. And there's Peter who's talking about a joy we can have right now. Not reserved for when we see him face to face in heaven, but an overflowing, lasting and satisfying joy now. But I hear you ask, how can I have an overflowing, glorious joy from anything, let alone from anything I haven't seen with my own eyes personally? Because that's what Peter's talking about, right? He had seen Jesus with his own eyes, but much of the early church had not seen him. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But um, Peter had seen him um, with his own eyes, but much of the early church hadn't. But the early church loved him nonetheless. In short, Jesus was no less real to them because they had not seen him. How can Jesus be offering something better than having him right here, right now? I think, quite frankly, this was so hard for the disciples to comprehend, let alone us. Jesus is saying there'll be real sorrow and the disciples seeing him on the crucified on the cross but they've not experienced anything like the impending joy that they would know when by God's power and grace they would see him again, when he defeats death on the third day and walks out the tomb. But have you felt that way? I wonder the way the disciples felt. Why did Jesus have to go? And why can't he be in the flesh with us now? Wouldn't it be so much easier? I think Peter's saying to us today, I know you haven't seen him in your own eyes, but you can have faith with him. Jesus came down. Um, he's God with skin on. He walked on this earth 2,000 years and he died the horrific death on the cross so we could have freedom in him. I'm a questions person, so I've got another question, but I hear some of you say, but I'm happy to be where I am right now. I'm doing fine without him. And I guess to a point I did, and then what worked was broken. The kind of joy that the fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit is something that can't be snatched away from you. Some of you will be walking through sorrow, and it's really tough, overwhelming even. But the truth Peter is declaring that by knowing Jesus and believing him, it won't change your circumstances. 
This type of joy, this biblical joy we're talking about, it's like a heartbeat, a drumbeat in your life. Because you've got to know, you're heirs to joy because of Jesus, and no one can snatch that away. And why can't someone snatch that away? Because like me, the Holy Spirit is taking residence up in you. It's not just a temporary rental space. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he moves in, and he takes permanent residence. But it is up to us if we choose to walk with him in the Spirit. And so if you can imagine a crossroads, you've got a choice, and you can walk across the bridge or not. You can go your natural way and do it yourself, but you feel the constant punch-up between your flesh and just relying on whatever's the outcome you have for the day. Or what's being on offer today is the supernatural way and rely on the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one that was sent. And I don't, I don't know where you are right now, but I've tried both and knowing Jesus and receiving, being full of the Holy Spirit changes everything. I've rattled through this. But as we come to a close, I do know there's a fresh outpouring of the Spirit on offer this morning and unlocking to us all here. In summary, I think Jesus invites transformational change through the Holy Spirit, and because of the fruit of the Spirit, we'll know joy. A full joy and a joy that's for now, now for the taking. And you may have once said, Jesus, yep, you died on the cross for me, accepted salvation, and then you walked right off on your own. Or, like me, a soul that ate for more, more than what I'd been able to drive in my life, and and totally sceptical. I did need to ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself. Um, the band, can I ask you to come up? This is like, feels really professional saying that. <laughs> for those that know him and have walked with Jesus for a long time, I do believe he wants to remind you that it says in Galatians 5.16, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I believe in God in his kindness wants to wake some of us up here this morning. Some people have been leading and not following. I imagine it's a bit like we got up to take the dog for a walk and forgot to take the dog with us. Or we invited the friend for a stroll to go and grab an ice cream down by the river and then literally forgot to call for the friend. I think we have a choice and it's really not forced on us. And we can wake up every day and invite him and choose to walk behind or have a good go at doing it ourselves. But for those who know God is talking to today, the ones who feel like the jam jar is sealed very tightly, I do think he's prompting you to loosen it on your own will. This gift that keeps on giving, the Holy Spirit, is yours. But you may need to meet him for the first time and tell him, I've been looking for you, I'm sorry. But you may have been one of these chairs week on week and have missed being filled up and baptised in the Spirit. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. My goodness, how complicated we make you. But you are love and grace. And through your spirit, we can come just as we are. 
we can say we're sorry for running the other way and receive your grace over our lives, be transformed, and by the Holy Spirit, see the abundant fruit that shows everyone around us this contagious and empowering joy. Come, Holy Spirit, meet with your people where they are. Fill them, Lord, until they're brimming. Let us not walk out this door unchanged. Amen. I do sense um, this is uncomfortable for me as well, but we are just going to have a moment where we're going to stand up and we're going to let him. I said he's, the Lord wants to do business today and he wants to refresh you and he wants you to know his, his joy over you. So, Lord, I just pray, come Holy Spirit. Before we sing, Lord, I pray, Father, that we would know and uh, we would receive that. Fill us, open, let us loosen ourselves, open those lids. Come, Holy Spirit.